0: to here's a joys or reviews the movie review podcast that'll slice and dice or praise and hype a movie each and every month there's a theme except for the next three months july august and september the summer of shocks which is I look at the for piranha franchise selected other church movies and this month's movies selected stephen king movies that then being children of the corn Cary and Rage Cary 2, Cat's Eyes and tonight's movie's Pit Cemetery 1 and 2 and note I am not covering the 2019 remake as I don't see the point plus it's pretty much a useless fagging remake also I have not read the book so take for that what it is and can this 30 year old movie still pack a punch well that's not here to find out for I Haven't seen this movie in a good oh I don't know twenty years. And all I remember is a crippled boy, a zombie cat, and an undead Tasha Yar, with a movie video director, uh, a movie video director, a music video director even behind the camera, which is never a good bloody sign. Add to that, this is her first movie, and this doesn't add up to a good time. With its $11.5 million budget, this thing pulled in $57.5 million, starring Dale Mitkiff, Denise Crosby, Mikko Hughes, Fred Gwynn and Brad Greenquist, directed by Mary Lambert. At the plot, a young doctor and his family move into their dream house in Maine. After a few months, their one-year-old son is run over by an 18-wheeler. Due to the fact, the house looks onto a road connecting to the busy highway. Luckily, or unluckily for him, an old man across the street knows of a magical cemetery. That brings things back from the dead. Now that his little son is an undead killer, when his wife dies, he buries her, and she comes back too. Will he ever learn? Why didn't he build a bloody fence? How do you know your cat is possessed? After all, aren't you just vicious, nasty, selfish, disgusting creatures anyway? Hmm, let us find out. The movie opens up on a Paramount logo and all we can think of is Friday the thirteenth. After some plain black and white text, up pops the misspelled title of Pet Cemetery. And then we see shots of said area with a fuck ton of dead pets. This area must be a fucking a serial killer's haven for crying out loud. I mean what am I saying here? It's Stephen King's Main, of course it's a serial killer haven, for fuck's sake. I mean there must be about sixty graves, I mean Christ almighty. I love one of the graves says, quote, prefer a hell of a sniffer." Until he died, he made us richer. How charming is that? And what the fuck? It says the dog was three year old. Like I said, zero killer for crying out loud. Cut to a speeding eighteen wheeler as it rushes past the dream house. Uh, first thing I would have done when viewing this house is ask why there's no fucking fence around the house. After all, these truckers drive past here at ridiculously high speeds and are either drunk high or even worse sleep depraved and an autopilot then i'd asked to build a fence around a bloody house and also why the fuck would you build a house next to a fucking busy road i mean for cranes. Like, it's literally on the fucking road there's no area for oh, moving on up pulls a family in a 1988 automobile cruiser and can we say national opens vacation Led by Dr. Lewis Creed, played by Dale Midkiff, of Time Tracks, The Crow Salvation, and a boatload of softcore sex movies. I mean, ugh. This role was supposed to be played by Bruce Campbell. However, the studio uh, wanted a more um, handsome lead, so went with Dale. I don't know how I got the worst of that one, Bruce Campbell or Dale Midkiff. (laughs) Uh, And this ticked off Mary Lambert as she thought he was too hot to play the role, and had to reshoot scenes because of quote dale's sex appeal moving on not saying he's an 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 ugly unattractive person but they had to reshoot because she thought he was too hot i mean uh. next is rachel creed played by denise crosby of dolly dearest star trek next generation deep impact see bitsy and a boatload of star trek stuff because tasha Yar. Their daughter, Ellie Creed, played by twins, Blaze and Bo Berda, although Blaze gets most of the credit. And finally, their young son, Gage Creed, played by Michael Hughes, of Kindergarten Cop, New Nightmare, Spawn, Mercury Rising, Baby Geniuses, and Clockstoppers. And he was only three in this role. Finally, we have Church the Cat. And note, he is not a Russian blue, but a British shorthair. Also, there was several cats used for different things, such as hissing and attacking things, and blah, 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 Swinging on a rope swing, Ellie sees a path that leads into the woods. The rope snaps, dropping her on her ass. Screaming in pain, both pins run over, leaving Gage all alone to almost be run over by a speeding 18-wheeler. The first of many, many 18-wheels in this bloody movie. Luckily, the neighbour across the street saves him last second. Said neighbour being a Judd Crandell, played by Fred Gwynn, of The Munsters, Car 54, Where Are You, Secret of My Success, and My Cousin Vinny. And note, Fred had to dye his hair white for this role, saying as soon as he put on his coveralls, he was in character. And I've got to say, his main accent is fucking superbness In fact, he steals this bloody movie, him and the little kid. And moving on. He takes a shine to Ellie Instantly, uh, but I won't read too much into that yet. After all, he may just be a nice old man. He warns Lewis to be careful of the road as trucks speed past here all day and night. Then why not buy, uh, sorry, build a fucking fence or petition the state to move the fucking road? I mean, for fuck's sake, surely the fuck when he get a viewing of this house for buying it, the fucking realtor must have said, oh, by the way, that road is busy as fuck. I Me mean, but I think putting a fence up, Jesus Christ, this fucking movie. This movie is entirely Lucy's fault. All I had to do was go down to his local hardware store, buy some fencing posts and chicken wire and stick it up. Uh, boom! No one dead fucking toddler, you fucking lazy cunt. Rachel asks where the path leads to into the woods. As Judd tells her, it's into the woods and a good story. That he'll take them on and tell them when they've moved in officially. That night, Rachel checks on their children finding church in Ellie's room all tucked in why the fuck would you sleep with a cat a selfish b- wouldn't you steal the heat and fucking sit in your face not smallarchy as outside Lewis looks at the path Aware suddenly church jumps out of the tree and scares the shit out of him so this cat can teleport him. okay then get rid of this fucking thing it's scary even before it's undead i mean for fuck's sake, a teleporting cat get in he spots Judd smoking, so goes over to see him. Judd hands him a beer and then tells him about the pet cemetery. Oh, this is going to be fun. I'll we'll try the accent. <clears throat> Quote, That damn road kills all cats. Oh, no, good, that was a terrible accent. All the cats and dogs, mostly. Uh, How do you explain the goldfish, rabbits, and hamsters, and the birds and the such? Like I said, zero killers. <clears throat> the next morning, we meet the nanny, Missy Dandridge, played by Susan. A boomert of Edward hands Stay Tuned Mouse Hunt A Good Marriage and John Wick Chapter 3. She has an awkward talk with Rachel saying she's jealous of her because she married a doctor when she is indeed unmarried herself. She also complains about stomach issues and just drops up. Moving on. Later that day, Judd takes the family to see the pit cemetery and great family out in there I must see. On rifle, Ellie runs in. Rachel is stunned at the amount of graves and then snaps at Judd saying this is not a good place and then why the fuck would you take your kids to this fucking place also it's on your land surely the fuck you must know how big your land is for crying out loud I mean oh my god Lewis is a fucking idiot Judd pulls Ellie next to him to show her where he buried his dog back in 1924 and then tells her a graveyard is a quote place where the dead speak Okay, fuck the pedo vibes. This guy is crazier than a sack full of feral cats. That night... Why, what else? Ellie questions if Church dies, will he be buried in a pet cemetery? See, now, she's going to fret about death. No end. Although she is nine, she's not about death. I mean, you know, heaven and hell bullshit. I mean, for crying out loud. Ellie then whines, Church is her cat, not God's. He should get his own, not hers. This kid. A note... In order to get Blaze to cry, Mary Lambert told her to think of something sad, but she couldn't, so she offered her more money to cry on cue. So every time this little bloody brat whines and cries, it is probably about hundred bucks. That night, Ellie is tucked in with her cat again. The next day, Ellie asks her mother what this school isn't like in Chicago. Can not she come home if she gets scared? No, you fucking will, can't you? Suck it up, buttercup. She then tells her dad she doesn't want church to get his nuts cut off as they got neutered the cat because they're scared the cat will get whacked off one of the many many 18 wheelers zooming past the house so apparently a neutered cat doesn't wander away okay then so like i said she knows about neutering cats but not death right it in. Lewis tells her Church will be better off after losing his balls. It'll keep him off the road and out of danger. Yeah, because like I said, cats don't wander off themselves, you know. Mm. Rachel, a brow, beats Lewis for no reason about how he has to promise Church will be fine. So he fires back, saying if Church dies, she can tell Ellie. And wow, what's with the fucking tension all of a sudden? I mean... Dickie he's not playing doctors and nurses with her nightly. Then off work he goes. Cut to the open headwind of a student in the college that Lois Snows works for. That straight being Victor Pasco, played by Brad Greenquist, and not when he was in full makeup. No one would sit next to him during lunch or indeed talk to him because it was so fucking gross. Seems he was hit by a truck, so instead of, oh, I don't know, leaving him where he lays to get the doctor to come to him, the idiots should just pick him up and take him to the doctor's. Hello, massive fucking headwind, do not move the bloody patient. Oi, teenagers. Also, a teenager slash student has now been hit and run by a truck, yet the road is still unpoliced. Yeah, I think not. Even back in 1989, this would cause a fucking stink. Never mind the hundreds of dead animals and pets but now a human has been hit and run road closed and no undead toddle running around for crying out loud as the poor guy dies on a table dr creed just tells him he hasn't had so much as a strain to deal with yeah no wonder this movie pulls a fucking miracle in london in this guy's ass what a complete dick hello working him until the paramedic shop you fucking lazy bastard Dying on the table, and then seconds later, Pascal comes back to life, to ward Lewis, quote, the soil of a man's heart is stonier than, uh, uh, and then dies the fuck king. Oh, did I mention Stephen King's actually on set constantly, as this was shot in Maine, only 20 minutes from his set, so he was constantly on the, on the set, poking his little fucking iron into it, and blah blah, blah blah blah, moving on. This freaks out. Lewis as Pasco tells him he'll be back and then dies with a smile on his face okay that night cue a nightmare as Pasco visits Lewis to warn him off the pit cemetery and note Lewis was supposed to be in jockey shorts skin tight boxer shorts but Mary Lambert says Dale Minkiff's body was too hot and demanded he put on gym jams or pyjamas okay then into the basement pascal takes lewis through a door that magically teleports him to a pet cemetery ew caking what the hell and why show him this just to warm off it? i mean what the hell lewis then falls into the fetal position as pascal warns him not to go beyond the boundary as the dead walk there again why tell him this much like judd why show him this? If the real estate person didn't know about the fucking thing, then why the fuck did Judge, Judge, Ralla, tell him of the bloody area? He wakes up in bed, all this calm, but, oh no, he has soil on his feet. Why, what does it all mean? Months passed, and it's now Thanksgiving, and Lewis has washed his hands of the hit-and-run case. So, no police follow-up then, just dead student, moving on. Rachel has another go at Lewis for no reason, and uh, she takes the kids to her parents for Thanksgiving. Uh, well, the way they act at Gagey's funeral, I can see why Lewis wants nothing to do with her side of the fucking family. Later afternoon, Judd calls Lewis to tell him church has been run over. Lewis goes over to, to investigate, almost getting run over himself by a truck. Seriously, put some fucking speeding signs on this bloody road, or some fucking sleeping policeman for crying out loud, or speed bumps even. Crying out loud. I mean, there's not one bloody sign. It is indeed church and it is indeed dead. So instead of buying a new cat, Judd suggests they bury it in the pet cemetery. Because it would be a fucking hell of a lot easier just to buy another fucking cat. She's fucking, what, seven, eight? She'll go over the bloody thing. Ugh, kids. About to no, uh, Not the one they showed them during the summer, but the magic one behind the barrier. The one Pascal warned him about. Yeah, that one. Ugh. Cut to Judd showing Lewis the safe passage through the barrier, saying he's done this a time or two. Okay, fuck the pedo vibe. He is creepy as fucking this. Did he kill Missy and bury her? Hence why she's always moaning about a sore stomach. I mean, hmm. Also, this safe passage takes him through woods and then past a quarry and then up a very steep slope onto this huge plateau of um, space with the weird Native American burial mounds and such huge space and he still owns all of this oh, get in finally Judd shows him the real magic circle and not the screeching cat was supposed to be a windy, windy Eagle windy Eagle was that fucking thing but that was cut Wendy Eagle, yeah, Wendy Eagle. also Mary Lambert sees Pasco as a good angel where she sees Judd as an evil angel hence why he probably killed Church to show Lewis the real evil cemetery ...to have more undead for his ranks. After... ...tramping through the woods, and then through a quarry up... ...a fucking mountainside, finally they arrive at the Native Ameri- American burial grounds. And fuck that, just by our bloody cat, she's fucking 7 shook over it. Uh, Judd tells him, uh, this is the Mi'kmaq Indians' burial ground. Racist much king. Okay, after all, is this a real burial mound, or is this just for the film? Anyway, Judd sits down to have a smoke as Lewis buries church. The sun sets. Lewis is still digging. Just how hard is it to dig a fucking shallow grave, for Christ's sake? You're in your twenties and you're relatively buff. Seriously, it takes them all fucking night. Uh, Dear God, at night, Lewis finally places church's body in the ground and covers up, returning home. Lewis hears the telephone ringing, however he misses the call. Judd shouts at him. Not to tell his family what they did that night. Okay, this old guy is gets creepier by the fucking minutes. Judd then tells him, the soil of a man's heart is stonier than than most a woman's. Blah 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 blah. Something about women can't keep secrets and blah 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 blah. Sexist much? With that, Lewis calls Rachel's parents' house where he outright lies to Ellie. Church is fine. Cage then tells him he loves him over the phone, but Lewis just stares into mid space coldly. It does this mean that Judd has stole Lewis's love for his son from his heart? Get in. Cut to the next day as Lewis is doing some yard work. He just walks off, leaving the half done. As in the basement, he goes where Cat hisses at him and attacks him. This is the first of many jumpscares in this bloody movie. Lewis feeds Church, then checks him out and finding he's chewed his way out of the grave. How exactly? It was in a plastic bag. And it was buried about, I don't know, three, four feet down. How the fuck did it chew? Moving on. And how did he know Church was dead? Unlike in the remake, it is not pancaked. How did he know Judd didn't give it some sort of drugs to knock it out? How did he know it was actually dead? It came back dirty and stinking because you buried it, you fucking idiot. Also, it's a cat. Cats hiss Natalia you for no reason. They're selfish, nasty, vicious, villainous creatures. I mean, hello. After getting scratched by church, Lewis heads to Judd's for beers. He tells Judd he's not a vet. Maybe they did he wasn't dead after all. I mean, maybe it was just knocked out, which I could bloody well point. However, Judd points out the cat's neck was snapped. Uh, show, don't fucking tell because the cat looks perfectly bloody fine just a little bit of KY stuck to it and a little bit of mud around his face cut to Judd telling Lois a story of how his dog Spot came back after its death a meaner dog saying the dog died twice that night as he buried it in a pit cemetery Okay, how about you tell that story before he buries the fucking cat you stupid old git oh my god this movie Lois asks if anyone has buried a person Judd spits out his beer saying, no, why how would, cut to Lewis in a bath, okay, if Mary Lambert didn't want to sexualise Lewis, then why show him in a bathtub, couldn't they have done this jump scare with him in, I don't know, in a bed, fully dressed or in the kitchen, not naked in a fucking bathtub, where the fucking camera is only millimetres away from the fucking root of his dick for fuck's sake. Uh, Church drops in a dead mouse into the bath and this scares Lewis. He then chases away the undead, pissed off cat dripping wet and bollock naked. Seriously love you, don't want you to... Hello, not a good idea. The cat could have got its revenge and not cut you. <laughs> cut to a private airport as Rachel's family's private plane lands. Lewis is with... Sorry, Lewis greets his family with flowers in hand. Elle runs over to her dad to ask, "Where's Church?" Adding, she had a dream Church was run over and dead. Oh. <sighs> okay, she's psychic then. What was saying? Of course, she's psychic. She's in a Stephen King movie. All this needed was a greaser bully, a just nut, and a writer for King's Full House. Bingo. Cut to Church in the house, looking for food and absolutely stinking. Elegant place. Church is stinky. And asks if cats can get shampoo. With Rachel saying. Why yes you can But it's pretty expensive. How is it you cheap bitch. It's like a buck. 10. 9. Buy the fucking kids some. Fucking. Cat shampoo. You cheap bitch. Moving on. Cut to Missy. Hanging herself. Over the pain in her stomach. So instead of seeing a doctor. Or going to hospital. She kills herself. And I know hospital bills are expensive in America. But Jesus Christ love. Next day. Judge. Is at the burial mound, so did he rebury Missy then? What the fuck? As a Stephen King cameo, playing the priest that buries Missy. Uh, she killed herself, no Catholic burial for her. No, that's a sin. Later at night, Ellie asks Lewis if Missy went to heaven. He says no, he thinks we go on as ghosts when we die. So, some doctor he is, I mean, he believes in ghosts. Okay. Also, where the fuck did the scratch on his face go? It's supposed to be a matter of days after church scratched him, not one blemish on his skin. Much later that night, Rachel tells Lewis about her dirty family secret, that being she had an older sister with spinal meningitis. Rachel hated looking after her as a kid, wishing she would die. Said sister being Zelda, played by Andrew Hupubatsky, and notes the studio wanted twin ten-year-old sisters to play this part. However, Betty Lambert thought they were too cute, so hired a man under heavy, heavy prosthetics. With her parents out for the evening, leaving young Rachel, played by Elizabeth Urich. Zelda chokes to death in front of her stunned sister, and spot the creepy painting of a little boy in a blue dress wearing a top hat and cane, with a grey cat, looking at a hellot-like church, standing on next to his feet. Rachel runs out of the house, screaming, and then bursts into laughter because she hated her sister and wished she would die, blah 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 blah. With that, Lewis hugs her, saying he hates her parents even more for leaving their insane daughter in her hands. He then goes and gets her a volume because of course the next morning, as a truck leaves the depot, as a driver sings the Ramones Sheila is a punk rocker. Meanwhile, down the road Cage is flying a kite one thing before I continue, it's awfully sunny for being late November, plus the trees are fucking still green. Hello, they could have fucking filmed this in autumn in May, fucking July, or where the hell they film this fucking thing? I don't know where this is going. Cage is run over by the truck, Lois can't deal with his grief, so brace him only to come back an undead baby. Why is Cage dressed like Steve from Family Guy? I have no idea. Ellie, being a jealous little shit, whines, why can't she fly the kite after all Gage is a little shit just as she says this, Gage drops the kite line, just as after it and is run over by a speeding truck all because A. Lois didn't put up a fucking fence and B. Elliot distracted both pets by being a jealous little fucking brat thankfully we don't see Gage go splat, we do however, see a baby sized converse coated in blood roll off into the camera, as Lois screams "No!" to disguise cut to flashing pictures of gage as a newborn then of his first first birthday in a sailor suit the one he's actually buried in also the one that's in the painting eerily lewis is poring over gage's pictures picking out some for a collage judd comes downstairs telling lewis rachel's finally asleep from the volume so he's now drugging the wife now what the fuck Ella comes downstairs with a picture of Gage in a wagon, with her pulling it, saying she'll carry this until God brings him back. Cut to Gage's funeral, as Rachel's dad has a go at Lewis, blaming him for his grandson's death, and then gets into a fistfight with him, knocking over the coffin. Okay, mate, I get you're angry and upset, but there's a time and a place, and it should it your grandson's fucking funeral. Sure, blame Lewis for not putting up a fence or fighting of the state to move the fucking road or at the very least put some fucking speeding zones up the fucking road about who and the actual fuck has a fist fight during a fucking funeral this is bad writing back home Lewis tucks and Ellie. She asks if God will give Gage back. If he wanted to, could he do so? Well, Lewis says yes. He enters his bedroom, finding church on Rachel's chest, so chases it off. By the way, this thing is stinking and rotting. How the fuck is she asleep with this thing sitting on her? Judd lets himself in as Lewis is having a scotch, saying maybe he's the reason why Gage is dead. He tells him not to bury his son at the burial mounds, then sits to tell him, Yet another fucking story. Then stop fucking planting seeds of thought into his bloody mind, for crying out loud, of how in the 40s a man called Timothy Batterman was buried, and then comes back all evil-like. After killing and eating a child, the menfolk burned down the house, killing the zombie. All Judd says is sometimes a dead is better. And then why show Lewis the burial mounds and then tell him all these stories putting the identity's fucking head down i swear to god this guy is truly the angel of darkness cut to rachel at the airport flying off of la to her parents leaving lewis all alone to deal with gage's death alone what a bitch she is for fucks she fucks off to her family to get company and he's sitting going my poor baby boy's dead boo who knows crap what the fuck love Ellie tells her grandfather she had a nightmare about Gage and her father, also a guy called Pax Cow. Pascal, yeah, remember him? Some fucking angel like this guy is. He lets all this shit come to bloody well pass. Ugh. Anyway, cut to Lewis digging up Gage. Pascal warns him again not to bury Gage in the burial mounds. Yeah, you have guessed it. He digs them up. Anyway, saying... If you come back, evil, he'll just bump to sleep with a smile on his face. What the fuck, King? Meanwhile, in her parents' house, Ellie awakes from a nightmare, screaming, "It's past Cow, not a dream. It's all a blah blah blah." She tells her mother, "Ex Pascal. Cow." Um, as she says, he warns him that Lewis is doing something stupid and bad, and la la That Lewis was with him when he died. He's a good ghost sent to war him. Of course, Rachel doesn't listen, but Pascal now materialises behind her and is guiding her. What the fuck? Back to Lewis, as he has finally dug up Gage. So he took him all day to dig up a freshly dug grave. Uh, Rachel calls home when not getting an answer. She calls Judd to check on Lewis. She then says she's coming home. Judd and then sits on his porch drinking beers. Finally, Lois has dug up Gage's body and is now sat cradling the dead boy. As back at her parents' house, Rachel is attacked by the vengeful ghost of Zelda for reasons. This is the start of the terrible overacting. And nope, it's just another bloody nightmare. I swear to God, this could have been called a nightmare on Burial Ground Street. Crying out loud, the fucking hack. Rachel wakes up, sat on a plane, alone. So I'm guessing the grandparents are watching Ellie then. Landing, Rachel rushes through the airport, just making her connecting flight. Back to Lewis, who is now burying a cage in the burial mounds. Meanwhile, Rachel, with Pascal following, helping along, has landed in Maine, looking for a rental car. She's handed a beat-up car. Rushing back, she has a blowout and has to ditch it and hitch a ride. She can't fix a fucking tire herself. Jesus Christ, the 80s. Not a smart thing to do, love, in rural Maine. Also, some angel like light, Pascal, is letting all this fucking thing happen. She has to hitchhike. I mean, uh, Lewis has buried Gage under a pile of rocks, so heads back home to wait for her return. Returning home, he falls asleep on the bed, as Gage returns from the grave, now undead. Gage, now home, sneaks around Uh, With Church acting as his Hellcat, he sneaks into his father's bedroom to get a scalpel yet doesn't kill his sleeping father Instead he goes over to kill Judd What the fuck movie? Judd sees the little muddy footprints, follows him into a bedroom where from under the bed Gage slices his ankle open and then rips his mouth open and then bites into his neck, ripping it out By the way, for being pancaked by an wheeler this kid only has one small scar on his head Miraculous, that. Next to die is Mummy. As she's dropped off outside Judd's house, she hears Zelda calling her from inside the house, so she checks out where inside Gage is waiting for her, but not before a cheap jump scare as Zelda bum-rushes her. The acting in this ending is fucking terrible. Ham over cheese with a side of waffle. Gage, now dressed as a painting, top hat and all, kills Rachel... Bye, I have no fucking dare have you killed her, but he kills her off-screen. Loser wakes from a nightmare and gets a call from Gage with First I play with mummy, then I play with you. Creepy as fuck. Going over there armed with a needle full of drugs. First he takes out Church by injecting NAS with some unnamed drugs. Uh, now he can take on the toddler from hell. So no notice tip for you then, you auto shit. Lois enters the house, finding the walls coated in slime and moss. But it's all a dream, it's all in his head. What the fuck, Mary Lambert? I know you're a bloody music video director, but come on, love. Scary. He continues, following Gage's voice and giggles, finding the killer tyke in the attic. He flies out, attacking his father. But when I see him, I mean a doll. Gage gets the best of his father by stabbing and then biting him until... Lewis throws him against the wall and then injects him with some unnamed drugs with KG's final words being No fair daddy, no fair And with that he burns down the house, unhanging his dead wife He buries her in a burial grounds, she returns with half a face missing And stabs him in the back as credits a roll So that was Pit Cemetery, far too many flashbacks and weird fucking dreams Uh, The effects are good, however, the acting is way OTT. The cat and Gage steal the show. Lewis is a fucking idiot. I mean, why the hell would he bury the wife of a new Gage come back and church come back evil? The fucking moron. I'm going to give this thing a, I don't know, 6 out of 10. Still, stay right there for Pet Cemetery 2. Let's find out if I want to be buried in this pet cemetery. And uh, what can I say about this one? Well, I don't think I've seen this start to finish. All I remember is this having a weird sex dream with a wolf, and Ed, for one, wanted to bang his mother. With the same director in his seat and pretty much nothing connected to the first movie, this came out three years later. Uh, the sole reason why Mary Lambert came back to this movie is to show what goes on in a teenage boy's mind. So, this is what she thinks teenage boys think of then want to bang their mother? What the fuck? With its $8 million budget, the same pulled in 17, so let's just dive into this fucking thing and get over and done with. Starring Ed Furlong, Anthony Edwards, Clancy Brown, Jason McGuire, Jared Rushton and Darlene Flugel. Directed by Mary Lambert. The plot runs on repeat from part one. Ugh, if I must, here we go. After his mother's shocking death on a movie set, a teenager and his father move back to her hometown to set up a new life. Things go from bad to worse when the teen is bullied heavily in school. His one friend is controlled by the sheriff's his His sheriff stepfather. One night he kills the pet dog. Luckily, he knows of the burial grounds. When the dog comes back, it's meaner and nastier. Killing the bully sheriff when he buries the sheriff, he comes back nicer. Our (coughs) hero teen buries his dead mother who comes back to restart the family unit something about him wanting to bang his mother a bestiality dream zombies demon dogs and awful acting yeah this is a fucking mess can we just leave this one dead and buried in the fucking crossroads Eh, no well then let's just lance off the fucking head of this bastard let's get on with this the movie opens up on spooky comic Sans fun, and oh, the cheapness just drips off the fucking screen. What was a bloody the first font they clicked on, for fuck's sake? Onto shots of a dark and creepy woods. Onto a castle, how very hammer horror. And the cheap ones at like that? And God, this looks cheap. What was a budget this movie? A buck ten? Jesus, jinkies. Down a winding staircase in her best doomed girl in a cheap hammer horror movie outfit comes a... Rachel Hallow, played by Darlene flugel of Eyes of Laura Mars Beyond sorry, Battle Beyond the Stars, Tough Guys and Dark Man 2. Find out she's on a set of some cheap low budget horror. This is so low budget the crew don't even care nor seem to notice water is leaking over the lighting rig, and as already does her death scene, she's shocked for real and fried on a set right in front of her. <coughs> loving son jeff matthews played by edward furlong of terminator 2 pecker america history x the crow wicked player knight of demons remake green hornet and terminator dark fate in all his screechy teen voice 90s bad boy realness seems he's trying to get mummy and daddy back together as they're estranged too bad she's in for a positively shocking time on the old set then Cue of the screeching mom, which drove me nuts during Terminator 2. You know, as good as Terminator 2 actually was, this would have been 10 times better if John Connell was cast at 50, not a screechy fucking 10-year-old, for crying out loud. I'm sorry, I know Rennie's death is supposed to be sad, but it's hilarious the faces she and the terrible quick cuts make this laughable, not shocking or scary. Cut to his father, Chase Matthews, played by Anthony Edwards of Revenge of the North movies. Top Gun, The Client, The Forgotten, ER, and disney Survivor. can fucking speak. As he puts down a dog, he's a vet. Okay, I'm calling bullshit straight off the bat. A. Why would an actress dating a man marry a fucking vet? And B. Why the fuck would you go to a vet called Dr. Chase? Shouldn't Chase have been the fucking son's name, after all she's a Hollywood actress for crying out loud a fucking freaky deaky name for her son. Anyway, Jeff calls him from set, telling him his wife is deep fried. Cut to the know. no, not this time, held by Stephen King, as he wanted fuck all to do this movie. Although, no press, and about t- 100 people show up, yeah, I'm guessing she wasn't that big time an actress then. Wait, hold the phone, there is press, about 10 of them. Also, the town bullet show up, what the fuck? The town sheriff, Gus Gilbert, played by Clancy Brown of Highlander, Shawshank Redemption, Shawshank Troopers, Crash Bandit Games, Nightmare on Street Remake, check archives, and a boatload of cartoons chase away the prying press, saying, show some goddamn respect. And his accent is as bad as mine's. He goes over to Chase to ask him if he's moving back to Maine full-time. Seems they don't know each other. Indeed, Gus dated Rennie in high school, but that'll come up much later. Meanwhile, Jeff tearfully drops a single rose onto the coffin as it's lowered into the ground. Cut to the moving in, and Jeff's refusal to throw anything and anything away from his beloved mother. As their housemaid nanny, Marjorie, shows up, played by Sarah Trigger, she comes around to help around the house. She looks eerily like the dead mother as she's trying to get into Chase's pants. Also, she was a fan of Rennie, apparently. Once all moved in, Chase takes Jeff to check out his new office in downtown Derry. Oh, sorry, I mean Ludlow, Maine. By the way, this is the exact same fucking set as news and bloody Derry and fucking IT, chapter one and two, the modern one that is. By the way, this is a 24-7 vet. What the fuck sort of small town is a 24 24- Four seven vet uh, on call in a fucking van for crying out loud uh, <clears throat> in this all but abandoned office they find a box of feral kittens which Jeff wants to keep who put the kittens there? where's the mother? who cares? his dad tells him he can clean out the kennels and he can keep one of the kittens in walks the town fat kid Drew played by Jason Maguire with his pet wolf Zoe who tries to eat the kittens, but Chase saves it. Zibby has claw marks on his nose from trying to eat rabbits, and I'm worried rabbits had claws, I mean, for crying odd. Also with Drew is his stepfather, the town sheriff, who's a little tough on him because of wicked step parents, that's why, and this is fucking badly written and lazy writing at that. Also, he's tough on it because he wants Drew to to buck up and toughen up and stop being a fat little slob, moving on later. Gus, then out of nowhere, tells Jeff he used to date his mother, and ought to say the least, that he took her to the prom, and the blah 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 blah, and this Marking, she was the first one he had, in this mark Also, the accents in this are pretty rough, none are as good as Judd from part one. The next day at school, the bullies, led by Clyde Parker, played by Jared Rushton, of Overboard Big and Honey Shrunk the Kids, introduce themselves to Jeff, and you can tell he's a bad boy because he's got a one little cross eating and a half-mullet. By the way, Jeff took the kitten to school. The fuck? The other bullies are Brad, played by Reed Binion, and Stevie, played by David Raschasek. I can pronounce his name. They stay with the kitten and run off of it, threatening to kill it under the wheels of their bike. A pushback at that to an all-expense-spared push chase as Jeff chases after the bullies. I love the fact that Clyde is supposed to be 14, yet he has a full-on 5 o'clock shadow on this, for fuck's sake, I mean, they could have shared him at least. Jesus Christ! This exciting chase takes them past the pit cemetery, past the Crete house, even though it's nothing like the one in part 1, and I should say, this is filmed in Georgia, not Maine. At the pit cemetery, Jeff finds a cat in a birdcage. What the fuck? Moving on. Make a passing remark about how the Creed murders, and then tell Jeff this is where the dead rise, and he should dig up his mother and bury her here. And wow, laying on pretty thick there, aren't you, movie? I mean, really? I know bullies are cold bastards. Come on, you fuck. A day after his mother is buried, they pick on him. Calling him celebrity boy, you know what's crap. What the fuck? to a fight scene which is basically Jeff and Clyde rolling under grass as others look on yeah bullshit in my experience the others would be laying into Jeff but nope two punches and Jeff is killed. with that they leave Jeff to get the cat back from the pit cemetery the burial mounds are calling him from beyond the barrier Ooh, spooky as Drew who is one of the bullies comes back to see how Jeff is yeah bullshit Bruce, a little fat tub of shit I don't think he, he would be Friends with these bullies in fact he would be prime Target number one indeed to call him fat, fat boy constantly through this bloody movie Why the fuck's he hanging around with the bullies <sighs> This movie's terrible He then tells Jeff he wishes Gus, Gus rather would Die pointing out it is his stepfather Not his real dad <sighs> We get it He's the evil step parent Cut two rabbits humping Hey I don't like this shit so look at me as Gus looks on with glee, what the? F- it seems he's a rabbit breeder and sells these things for ten pound a pop or ten dollars a pop. what The fuck. Uh, he then locks up the cage, putting on the electrical fence. What the fuck? He does. He is aware that the chicken, uh, the chickens, the rabbits touch the chicken wire and they will get Also, I mean, what the fuck? Returning home, Jeff tells his dad how shitty his day at school was. Cut to Drew as Gus tells him to put the wolf outside. Then we meet his mother, Amanda, played by Lisa Waltz, who gasses all over, much to the disgust of Drew. They sit down to eat dinner. Why, what else? But rabbits? but of course. Drew smacks mouth Gus, who doesn't stand for the shit, and tells him he will smack him across the bloody well mouth again, laying the sound pretty thick, aren't we not movie? cut to jeff watching a movie of his wife's some sort of shitty fucking b-movie as she gets killed on screen by the way why the fuck is what's his name chase dressed like steve jobs moving on as jeff asks his father would they get back together again with chase saying possibly yeah useless there back to gus who is trying to put the rabbit in the hole so to speak. A Too bad Zowie wants some rabbit for himself for none other it is. As Gus hears a thing and chases away the dog shooting it with his rifle. Deep inside the woods Drew finds Zoe almost dead and god Gus is a great shot. He shoots this thing clear in the guts from about I don't know 50 60 yards but even aiming the fucking gun he just shoots it wildly and it gets the dog. The next morning, with Zabi now dead, True asked Jeff to go down to the burial Mounds covered in fucking blood. Yeah, how about no? How the fuck does he know about these burial Mounds? After all, they said the Creed murders was just a ghost story as this thing happened several years earlier. Gotta say, the puppet of Zabi doesn't look anything like the fucking dog. How the people thought this was a real dog and called animal cruelty on the film crew is beyond me. This thing looks fucking cheap. I mean, it looks like a fucking sheep with spray-painted black, for crying out loud, and even a bloody wolf. Also, the burial grounds were completely different from part one. It takes a fat kid like Jeff, all a matter of minutes, to bury Zubby, but it took a fit man like Lewis all day to bury church. Right, then. Cut to later at night, as Gus finds drew walking all alone in the middle of the road, in the middle of the night, and gives him a ride home. In the back of the fucking truck, you know, charming. Much later that night, the howd Hound, Hound Zoe, has come to feast on the rabbits. Amanda checks out that noise and brings the undead wolf in. She sticks it into Drew's room. Yeah, of this dog is filthy, has demonic red eyes, and it's foaming for the mouth. So just take him him for your own way, son, it's fine. What's the worst that could happen? Did you want zombies? Because that's how you get fucking zombies. It is also oozing from the bullet wound from where it was shot. Okay then, nothing to see here. Moving on. There's no undead fucking zombie dog here then. Chase is called to deal with the undead wolf, taking it away to be tested. As back home, Jeff has a dream with his mother, sitting on a rocking chair with a wolf head on her head. The fuck? He then wakes up, only to be pulled away from his mother as the room elongates. Okay, who the fuck's picked my coffee? What in the name of fuck is this? I need my know street light. Oh dear god. He wakes up finding Zowie sitting on a chair, growls at him and he just falls back to sleep. Yeah, how about no? Three days later at the vet's office, Chase peels away Zowie's bandage to reveal the same oozing with pus wound with asking if he'll be fine. Yeah, because a hole in your wolf oozing pus is a good sign, you fool. Idiot. I love the fact the dog is licking the bandages for the strawberry something used for blood. I just love that little fact, <laughs> licking the bandages. Chase then checks for a pulse, finding a nun. He takes a blood sample and then puts it in a cage. Wait, so you've had this dog for three days and this is the first time you give it a checkup? up fucking vet you are, mate? Jesus cramines. In the cage, Zibby eyes up the kittens for lunch. Zooming on to Zibby's demonic eyes, it morphs into a werewolf mask. It's Halloween, hoodoo! Cut to Drew as his mother adds the finishing touches of his vampire makeup, telling him to be home by 10 because Gus has grounded him. Because Gus is a fucking bullying bastard, apparently. On to Drew and Jeff, who is now dressed like Jason Voorhees, what with John be too much, going into the pet cemetery. A blop doll dressed as a mother falls on Jeff and he screams like a little girl. The rest of the school comes out of behind the graves as they have a party. Because why wouldn't you party in a fucking graveyard? Do you want to party? It's party time. You know how that movie ended. <clears throat> and why the fuck would he party with his bloody little bullies? Gus returns home early who all but smacks around Amanda for letting her only son go out trick-or-treating on Halloween night, the fucking monster that she is. How dare she let her son go out and have some fun, for fuck's sake. So off he speeds to find him, leaving her to finish her beer, probably the sixth of the fucking night, and what the fuck does she see in him, for crying out loud? At a bonfire in the cemetery, Clyde is telling the story of the creeds, adding Lewis went completely bug nuts and dug up Gage, Ellie went completely insane, killing her grandparents. For that, she's in the local mental institute, but she escaped that night. Ooh, uh, how very Michael Myers Gus, and that, by the way, that bit goes absolutely fucking nowhere. I mean, ridiculous. And why the hell did they put Ellie in a fucking nut house? I mean, could you know had Ellie the star of this fucking movie? I mean, for crying out loud, six or seven years after the events of Pet Cemetery, she comes back to the town to face her demons, literal demons in this case. I mean, who killed their mother herself? Moving the fuck right on. Gus shows up to break up the party as they all scatter. Drew is caught. And of the fact that these kids are all supposed to be 14 and drinking beer and whiskey? Yeah, no. A. This is America. Drink age 21. Although, seeing that, Clyde, Clyde does look 18. And B. Whiskey and beer for your first drink? Yeah, I think no. Try cider. Gus punches Drew Full on in the face and then goes to beat him with a gravestone. Wow movie, just wow. Zabby runs in to stop this and rips out Gus's throat. Jeff asks if he's dead. No mate, you can survive that fucking throat, you stupid fucking idiot. So instead of ordinal oh, calling the cops and reporting a dangerous wolf named Zabby, Drew and Jeff bury Gus in the burial mounds. Now, we have not only an undead wolf, but a douchebag undead zombie sheriff to deal with. Yay, can this movie get any worse? Why, well, yes, it can. Returning home at God knows what time in the morning, Amanda asked Drew where he was with the lame-ass joke of We had a ditch Gus, that's all. No movie, that's a bad movie. Leave the bad jokes to me. That's a bad movie. Go stand Santa Corner, face the wall. Uh, Jeff returns home and Chase chews him out, saying, It's a school night. Uh, you're not supposed to go partying and drinking yada 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 at fourteen, except Halloween was on a Saturday in 1992, which was my last trick or treat. Aged thirteen. Oh, the little whiny mummy's boy does is give him the stink eye and then head off to bed because she's a bitch boy and you like drinking, oh, fuck off. Yeah, no, you just killed and buried not only your best friend's stepfather, but the town sheriff, knowing farewell he'll return evil, so I think sleep will be the last thing you fucking do. Oh god, this maybe so bloody bad. Gus returns home begging to get in, which Drew does... He then cleans up and rapes his wife. What the fuck, movie? By the way, how does he talk with his fucking throat ripped out and his vocal cords damaged? The next morning, Jeff meets up with Drew as the two ride to school. I'm guessing it's Sunday school then because it sure ain't fucking up to school. It's a Sunday. When he says he likes to return Gus because he's nice to him and lets him eat what he wants, i.e. dozens of bloody pancakes swimming in fucking syrup and butter. Yeah, seriously. This At his office, Chase checks out his AS machine to find out he missed a call from the blood specialist who tells him to call him. So he does, and he finds out Zoe's blood is that of a dead dog. As he checks out the kennels, he finds Zoe is gone and the kittens have all been eaten. Chase now knows Zoe is undead and is out for a hunt for him. At school, Chase finds Jeff and Drew, and then warns him about Zoe as he's quote dangerously sick yeah you fucking think zombieism hello oh, dear god cut to chase visiting a taxidermist named Quentin Yolander played by Jim Peck seems before he was a taxidermist he was the town vet that worked on church even though church was found by Judd and Lewis and buried hours later but moving the fuck right on he tells him about church that years earlier he tried to save it and then tells him the dog is undead no you fucking didn't you were nowhere near that cat so fuck off you lying piece of shit movie cut to gus skinning his prized rabbits as jeff and drew watch on horrified Cut to an uncomfortable dinner scene as Gus acts like a little brat spitting out his mashed potatoes grossing out Jeff and it's supposed to be scary because it's not it's just fucking gross oh, I love the fact that Gus has a bandage around his neck and nobody notices this fucking thing you know I mean mm. Cut to Chase watching the same shit from earlier the same shit movie of his ex-wife is in well whatever after he locks all the windows and doors, he arms himself and heads to bed. Too bad he's locked himself in with Sabby, who rapes him in his sleep as he dreams of his wife. Wait, what? Who? Why? And how was this a good eye, fucking dear? Uh, And this dream is all shot in blue lighting. Because didn't I say she was a music video director? Ooh, artistic, artsy-fartsy bullshit! And unless his wife wore a strap-on a lot during sex, shouldn't he be freaking out? He's getting penetrated? I mean, hello? It gets weirder. The wife's head morphs of that into a wolf as she writes him. He then wakes up finding Zoe on top of him and inside him. Fighting him off, the wolf... Bites him. Okay then, I am fucking done. This movie is free-falling into oblivion. This movie is just goddamn motherfucking ridiculous. Finally, getting Zoe off him and with feathers running down because why the fuck not? Music video realness. Chase shoots at the hellhound as it dives into the window into the night the next morning. Jeff and Drew are sitting on the Blair Witch Rock. Look at it, it's the exact fucking rock from Blair Witch Project. They throw stones into the river. Here, Jeff asks if everyone comes back bad from the dead, like Gus and Zibby. Drew says he doesn't know. It all depends on how bad you were as a person in life. With that, the two split to return home. Drew asks if he's ever thought Jeff would run away with Jeff saying yes all the time as Jeff cycles off only to be run off the road by Clyde in his two-speed motorbike. Gus saves Jeff by killing Clyde by wrapping his scarf around a wheel, and then snapping his neck, also ripping off his face with the back tyre as it's on full speed. Okay, who wrote this? A fucking sociopath? Cut. Gus buries Clyde in the burial mounds after killing Drew and his mother. First, he chases Drew around the house with a shotgun, Which, by the way, he was outside the house and he teleported in. I know Church did that, but come on, really? Zibi then teleports in and attacks Drew. Okay, as I said, Church teleported in the first one. But, come on, Gus is everywhere in seconds as Zibi teleports in there too. Plus, he's now on Gus's side. I thought it was, quote, whatever you bury, it comes back to your own. I mean, the fuck was that? Hiding upstairs in his mother's room, Drew locks the door where Gus pulls a shining, smashing through the door with a claw hammer. Escaping through the window just as his mother arrives home, the two run for it when Gus runs them off the road straight into an 80 wheeler Remember them from the first movie? Why, this is the first one and the only one in this fucking movie. Jesus Christ, you couldn't shake a stick behind a bloody 80 wheel in the first movie but this one. One. And this is the world's slowest car chase, breaking speeds of a ridiculous 20 miles an hour. Then my god the speed. Drew and his mother die getting crushed by potatoes, because I guess you could have said Gus made a right hash of that then. Gus returns to bury Clyde in the burial mounds, as weeks later, the nanny asks Chase how Jeff is coping with Drew's death, so no we'll follow-up then for the missing teenager, the accident on the roads, the killing of his wife, the fuck. Chase goes to the attic to find Jeff has pulled out all his mother's stuff. And sits up real nice for her return, that is. Okay, calm your ass down, Roman fucking Bates. It seems little master Bates has dug up, then reburied Mummy Dearest. And this movie has fallen off a fucking cliff and is in freefall to the bowels, the very pits of B-Movie. Shit hell! Oh my god, this movie then pulls a Halloween some to eat as... Chase is shown his wife's empty coffin. Okay, technically Michael moved the headstones, but still, it still works the fuck off. Back to Norman Bates' light, he sneaks out as an nanny falls asleep on a couch to a swamp, then onto the woods and the burial mounds, so a completely different fucking way to get to the bloody burial mounds then, where Gus is waiting for him. Suddenly the burial grounds are all lush with green grass and a tombstone. What in uh, the actual fuck is Lambert smoking, drinking, ingesting, or indeed injecting? This movie is fucking buggier than bugnuts. Jesus Christ! Gus then gives Jeff his mother to bury, saying, "You yeah, bury your own." That's more Irish than fucking Maine. <laughs> Wait, you buried Clyde unless you were shagging around town. He and your son. How the fuck did he come back to your side? got back to the nanny who is awakened by a door slamming and she's killed by Rennie with a mirror shot to the ear. Cut to chase her to Druze to kill Zabi and Gus with a revolver. Zabi rips a chunk out of his shoulder only to be shot and killed by the useless vet. Inside the house, Chase finds Gus has been taking decoration tips on Freddy Krueger, finding dead rabbits hanging open fires and slime covered all over the bloody walls. He and Chase fight. Gus drills into his shoulder using a power drill and then throws him around the kitchen where Chase grabs a gun and blows out his brain. Uh, Gus, that is, not his own. He then fills the body with bullets and walks off, well, limps off fucking pathetically. Running home, he finds the nanny is dead as Jeff is sitting in a rocking chair with that evil joker grin on his sick little face. Mummy Dearest is back, looking pretty good for someone who's buried for fucking months and died in a bloody electrical fucking fire. Mummy Dearest tries to entice Chase, but he's having none of it. So Clyde comes out of nowhere with an axe and clonks the useless Chase over the head and takes on Jeff. As they fight, Mummy Dearest tries to... Uh, sorry, trashes the attic and snaps the door, locking it behind her. Clyde bites Jeff on his shoulder and then spews all of him. And uh, what the fuck is with these zombies? I'm biting on the fucking shoulder. Hello, the neck. Hello, zombie brains. nice oh, it's crap. So, with an eye poke of doom from Jeff, he kills his bully by ducking an axe swing, which cuts the power line and shocking the little punk in a truly mind-blowing explosion mummy dearest in the meantime has set the attic alight with the place burning down the movie pulls a house of wax as Renny's face melts off Jeff chops open the door with the axe pulling his prone father out of the flames leaving mummy dearest to burn as she screams dead is better dead is better dead is better oh, whatever the place they, they burns down with her dying laughing Cut two days later as Jeff and his father leave town. The movie then pulls a 90s soap opera as it shows headshots of all the actors that had died in the bloody Bloodyville movie. Uh, But the characters, I mean not the actual actors, the characters. As credits roll. So that was Pit Cemetery 2. What can I say? This is one of the buggiest of bug nuts movies I have covered to date. This is like a bad 90s music video gone awry. Terrible effects, OTT acting that not even Clancy Brown can save. Dumb, and this is a complete acid trip into weirdness with bestiality, Oedipus, teen bullying, rape and abuse themes. This goes off the rails fast, and yet it is in love with his own weirdness again. Why not bring back Ellie as a teenager and deal with her demons? so to speak. I'm going to give go this thing a woefully pathetic a 1 out of 10. I suggest you don't watch this piece of shit. It's fucking atrocious. Still, I'll come back next week as I wrap up the Summer of Shocks with Cat's Eye. October is House on a Haunted Hill. November is Night of Movies and December is End of the World Movies. So don't forget to like, share, comment and subscribe. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod where you can vote for what movies I will cover. If I put the bloody Pulling up that is. <clears throat> or email me your most suggestions too. Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Also, check out my second podcast, the Schlocky Horror Podcast Show, where myself and Eric from his podcast, Two Bearded Losers, look at all things B to Z. Check out my other horror front franchise podcasts of House, Hellraiser, Psycho, Unworld, and more. Or my solo podcast of the thing the stuff. Army of Darkness, and many, many more. Eh, bye, and remember, I watch these bad movies so you don't have to. Now, I don't want to be buried in any of these pit cemeteries, thank you.